Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode six of the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and movie fan views. The podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am I'm one host, of those. Ryan Dunlevy, and I'm joined once again by my soccer clad co host, Rob Dunham. Good to see everybody. I spent yeah. two hours mowing my lawn, so I'm about ready to talk about movies for a half an hour. I like it. <laughs> yes. Work before play. Yes. All right. So we got a great show in store for you. We're going to talk a little bit about new movies. New movies. Yes, they exist. What are those? New movies. We're going to talk about new movies. We're going to rank Christopher Nolan's movies and the watch list. All right. Rob, let's get started with some news for this week. And I, I think the biggest news is there's actual movies that have been out for a week now. And in particular, Unhinged, which was kind of the first release to come back out, um, starring Russell Crowe. And the news out of that one is it grossed $4 million over this past week. Um, and... $4 million is not bad, given that it's an indie release and the situation in the theaters. Rob, what did you make of Unhinged's box office gross for the week? I mean, it sounds about right to me. I think that if it were a regular week, it might have made slightly less, but I don't think it would have made a huge amount less um, if, it, if things were normal, um, quote unquote. But um, yeah, it's interesting to see that they were able to get some people out obviously that's not a massive number but it does indicate that some people are coming out I know that um, a lot of the theaters that are opening have restrictions about distancing when it comes to seating so there's not as many seats available so that's going to impact numbers as well from this last week and as we move forward yeah and uh the interesting numbers on this were that, um, and they did some comparisons from, from a similar, similar movie um, from the same week last year, which was uh, Angel Has Fallen, which grossed 21 million. Um, hmm. That movie played on 3,286 screens, while Unhinged this past week played on only 1,823 screens. And of course, as you just said, with social distancing, not all the tickets were even available for that release. So given the fact that you're probably dealing with, you know, maybe a quarter at best, a quarter capacity max, um, I'd say four million is a pretty respectable, pretty respectable amount. Um, so yeah, I think that, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to get a lot of reading off of, you know, one movie, one week, into you know theaters being back but i would say at least initially it's not a terrible start yeah you gotta start somewhere yeah and also interesting to read that basically um for unhinged the director and the the studio were in very intentional about wanting it to be the first one back out so and uh i don't know if you saw this but apparently russell Crow was uh, was kind of insane on his little promotion for the uh, for the movie. <laughs> kind of cool. <laughs> Imagine that Russell Crowe being unhinged. <laughs> no, never. Totally irrational, calm human being who doesn't ever punch people or anything no, weird never. like that. 
<laughs> All right. So that's uh, that was one piece of uh, new movie news. Another one is the release of the trailer for The Batman, the new mm-hmm. Batman movie starring, um, now I'm blanking out on his name. Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson, yes, of Twilight <laughs> fame, yes. Oh, how exciting. <laughs> yeah, so Robert Pattinson, the new Batman. So we got to see the first little bit of trailer uh, for that movie. So Rob, what did you think of the Batman? Uh, you're going to have to forgive me, Sensei, for, uh, for not seeing it yet with my busy schedule, um, but I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Ah, yes. Okay. So I think it's, I think it's really fascinating. I think it's interesting. Um, it does feel a little bit more like the DC movies that have been mm-hmm. around uh, recently with Dawn of Justice and Man of Steel, uh, particularly the later ones, the kind of darker tone of the DC comics. So I feel like it feels a little bit more like that era DC than it does the Nolan versions of Batman. Um, Pattinson is an interesting, is it plays an interesting Batman? Cause I think I have no idea what he's going to be like as actual Batman. Um, Cause he doesn't, he, apparently he's bulked up a little bit, but he's, he's still playing a little bit more like his normal self. So I think it's going to be, he's going to be a unique character for it. And I am, I'm going to withhold judgment on, on him as Batman until I see a little bit more, especially after I was not a fan of the idea of Heath Ledger. And that turned out really, really well for previous Batman iterations with, uh, I mean, to be fair, Robert Pattinson is already used to changing into a bat. So (laughs) he'll do pretty good. (laughs) Oh man. So it, it, I mean, it was a hard hitting analysis here on yes. film for fans. Yes. <laughs> yes. So we'll get some twilight jokes in there. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's, I think it's an interesting choice. I mean, Pattinson has actually, for lack of a better term, kind of revived his career lately and gotten some more acting chops and been in some more films where he's, he's played pretty well. You and I both saw the lighthouse last year, which was a, uh, an interesting film to say the least uh interesting um, is a good way to say absolutely insane on every level yeah <laughs> yeah but uh and, and we're about to cool. we're about to see him too in uh tenet yeah just a few days yeah so yes. it seems like it seems like his career trajectory is picking up and he's gotten more acting ability so i'm i'm, in, I'm encouraged by what i saw from the trailer Good. I look forward to seeing it and the movie. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, the next bit of news is we have a new slate of movies opening this weekend. So now that the movies are back, we may do a little segment like this each week where we talk about new releases and uh, talk about which ones we would perhaps be interested in. So um, up on the slate for this weekend is New Mutants, uh, The Personal History of David Copperfield, Bill and Ted face the music, and actually Tenant. If you're capable of seeing an early release, Tenant actually is debuting in some theaters on Monday, which is when we're going to see it. So oh, yeah. aside from Tenant, which is you know obviously on the docket, uh, which one of the rest of those films seems most intriguing to you? 
So I know this isn't the case for everyone, and that's totally fine, but I love Bill and Ted, and I had not seen either of them until literally within the last year. Mm, really? saw them for the first time and just love everything about it because I love music, and I love how they intertwine the whole rock I, 80s rock idea idea and ideals into the film both of them and just the two guys together have a great chemistry and i'm really looking forward to seeing if they maintain that how how it comes about so so much later um what they do with the story some i know some people are already burnt out on the idea and think this is lame but you know i'm i'm here for it so i'm excited to see i don't know if i'm gonna go see it in the theater or not but i'll definitely be checking it out in the near future sure yeah i'm i'm totally with you it's all about bill and ted face the music bill and ted's excellent adventure has been one of my favorite films it's it's so funny um and it's right up there for me with comedy and it's fascinating now that like we have an entire body of work um for why am I blanking out on actors' names today? Keanu Reeves? Keanu Reeves. My goodness. <laughs> I can't Man, that's, that's that. a rough one. <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, I didn't have enough. Brian's just stuck it. in the Matrix, everybody, where Keanu Reeves is no. not an actor. He's just a battery plugged into <laughs> a cell. That I'll get it together. I promise I'll get it together. <laughs> but <laughs> Keanu Reeves, we have a whole history of film where he's playing these kind of wooden, stoic characters. And then there's Bill and Ted. And it's just so much of a departure for Keanu Reeves. And it's so great. And the characters are so endearing. And I just love, I love, I love the scene of like, of in the first movie of Napoleon running around the Waterloo water park and uh, Genghis <laughs> Khan tormenting a sporting goods store. I mean, it's just, it's such, just such a fantastic concept. I love it. I mean, most, most historical movies where you're like bringing people from different eras, you have them doing like deeply important things. And here they're just bringing them out to explore a mall and give a, give a final report it's great so i'm looking forward and, to you know hopefully this. they'll come across death at some point and have to play some games with him and yes. have him be a sore loser again because i love that <laughs> yes yes for sure uh but if i were if i were to pick a different one out of that i'm i think the personal history of david copperfield seems kind of interesting so um we'll see I don't know a ton about David Copperfield, so I think there there could be some intrigue there for me. So we'll see if I go to check any of those out. But uh, yeah, it's it's actually not a bad slate of movies um, for week two of movies. But of course, the highlight for us uh, will be Monday going to see Tenant in IMAX, and I can't wait for it. I am stoked. Um, there was part of me that never thought this would happen. So um, I'm looking forward to it. And given the fact that Tenant has come out, I thought it would be awesome for us to go through Christopher Nolan's previous movies. And if you're not, if you're somehow not familiar with Tenant, Tenant is the latest release from Christopher Nolan. It is the first truly big blockbuster to come out um since movies went away 
And this is one we've been looking forward to for a long time. So Christopher Nolan is probably one of, if not the best director operating right now. And he's got a great filmography. And so, um, Rob, do you want to play a little game with uh, Christopher Nolan? Let's play a game. Let's play a game. All right. So what do you say we do a Christopher Nolan movie draft? Oh boy, this could get intense. Yes. <laughs> so let's see. How do we want to do this? Um, I think the person with the most hair should go first. Although you might actually have more hair on your face than <laughs> I have on the top of my head. So I, I think Man. just out of out of deference to you coming up with the concept of the podcast for the first uh podcast draft i'll i'll give you the first pick all right so first pick round one um i am going to take inception i'm mm, gonna take inception i think i think of all of the movies of his fantastic repertoire i think inception is the most unique and um probably the one i would say most people would consider that um, that they would know Christopher Nolan for. That's that's the one. I would say that's his signature movie. If if um, if I were making a choice, so I'm going number one. Inception. All right. I was just on on Reddit this week looking at uh, someone had posted a link to one of the special features that explained the hallway fight scene. Mm. And just the level of engineering and detail that went into that. It's not just a simple camera trick that mm -hmm. they were able to pull this scene off, but there's literally this rotating yeah. circle in this giant um, apparatus that he had, they had to design this huge steel infrastructure just to build this thing. And uh, they talked about how Joseph Gordon-Levitt was so insistent that he be allowed to do this on his own that he didn't want to have a stunt double do it that he wanted to be the one jumping around and walking around as the thing spun around i like they also said that christopher nolan himself went in it and walked around as it was going around just to get an idea of what it would be like and just the the level of detail and commitment to pull something like that off and it was such a massive scene in the movie and it just really like it helps sell the whole concept yeah. and the, the insanity of coming up with something like that and then actually being able to work it out physically is, is uh, mind blowing to me. Yeah. The con the concept is just so unique and so unlike anything else you see in films and to be able to pull that off in a way that was still accessible is fantastic. So that's my number one. So, so I love inception but I'm glad you took it because if I had the first pick, I would have taken the prestige. Ah, okay. To me, the reasoning behind my pick of the prestige first would have been that out of all his movies and out of almost any movie I've seen, it might be the most tightly written movie that I have seen. Just everything builds and builds. It's very, it's it, the movie is a slow burn. So for some people, they might 
be wondering what is actually happening, but I think there's enough tension in the storyline between the two main characters that it keeps you interested and invested early from early on. And as it goes on and on, there's these points in the movie where something just clicks and you go, whoa, what just happened? And I would say, especially the last 20 to 30 minutes of the movie, those moments just come over and over and over. It's like waves. Mm-hmm. And the very end of the movie, the last two or three minutes of the movie is stunning. And I, I've said before, I think I, I get chills every single time I watch the movie when it comes to the last few minutes. And there's no other movie I feel that way about. So that's why I would rate it so highly. Yeah. And the battle of two rival magicians in and of itself doesn't seem like a great concept, but the way he pulls it off with just, like you said, escalating tension. The tension just builds steadily throughout the movie. And it's just a constantly increasing pace and tension. And the story is interweaved so well that at each moment, there are different moments in the movie where you feel for each of the two rivals. Like you're not entirely sure who you should be rooting for as to which one's the good guy and which one's the bad guy for the entire movie. And that tension is just palpable. And like you said, the last, the last few minutes are just spectacular in relation to the rest of the film and the way he, he basically choreographs the film to the different parts of a magician's illusion is fantastic. All right. What do you got next? All right. So my second round pick is going to be interstellar. Mm. Um, I am I am a huge sci-fi nerd, so that's partially uh, that's partially one of the reasons I take it. Um, but for me, this is another instance where he took an unbelievably complex, dense concept and made it accessible. I mean, you're talking about the very boundaries of theoretical physics, things that the the chief physicists do not fully understand and are just trying to work out. And they're putting them into a major blockbuster release for everybody else and being able to pull that off. It is also the most scientifically accurate space movie that's ever been created. Um, I got a chance to read the, the, the physics of interstellar by the physicist, the physicist that uh, they, they used on that movie. And it's just so, it's so cool to hear all the backstories and how he dedicated time to getting to know the physics but then to bring out the emotional element of it i mean the scene where he comes back in off of miller's planet and realizes that him being on that planet for a couple of hours meant decades back on earth has ticked off and as he's watching his kids now as adults on the video feed and just bawling his eyes out like the yeah, Matthew McConaughey in that moment. The guy we'll hear me talking about a little bit more later on. Just the ability to take that concept of, um, of time that's, that's just so hard to grasp physically and to bring that level of emotionality to it is just spectacular. The, the thing that impresses me the most about the movie, I think, is this, just the grand scale of it. Uh, especially watching it the first time in the theater, just I was I was in awe of how big it was, how loud it was. I know some people 
think it's too loud <laughs> and that's okay it is it's definitely pushing the boundaries i think uh in some of the scenes um but it's just like you you feel you feel it you feel the largeness of it you feel the huge emotion of it the hopelessness of it the the hope of it at the end it's just it's all there and it's big and small which is what makes a great sci-fi movie is what I found when you can make something feel big, but also small. Yeah. Um, so that would have been definitely, I haven't made my final list, but that would have been close to the top. I'm not sure if I would have taken it first, second or third, because man, he just has so many good movies. Yeah. Um, I might've mm-hmm. gone prestige and then my next pick, which is Memento. Mm-hmm. And the reason why Memento is so high for me is probably not, it, I would say that it's likely not as high for many Christopher Nolan fans because they might not have seen it or um, it's also not the same kind of movie that he's been working on lately. It's not a huge action-packed blockbuster. It's not got giant set pieces. It's very, very close, very small. Most of it happens within one hotel room. The rest of it happens just around one town. Um, but Guy Pierce in this movie is just phenomenal and he's in a lot of it by himself and he just acts so convincingly as this guy who has lost his memory has uh, short-term memory loss issues um i can say this about memento and one of the reasons why it's so high on my list it is the only movie in my life still to this point that i have watched all the way through and immediately started and watched it all the way through back to back Hmm. because as soon as it was over i said i need to watch that again and I watched it again. I watched it twice in a row the first time I saw it. Because there was, when it ended, I thought, how did I miss all this stuff? The first time I saw this movie, I need to see it again. I need to, like, I need to figure out what I, w- what I wasn't seeing. And it's just a movie that lends itself to those repeated views. Because the more times you see it, the more you catch up, catch on to. And the more powerful the storyline becomes. So that's Memento would be up there for me. That's what I'll take as my second pick. Yeah, for me, this would not have been as high on the list, not because it's not a great movie. It's just, it's a niche movie. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly, it's more insular as you were talking about. Um, and it's, it, I mean, it's, it's definitely worth viewing. And it's definitely worth seeing. It's actually the first Christopher Nolan movie I ever saw. And I knew when I saw it that this was something unique and different. Um, but I just, it's not a movie I want to return to on a regular basis. So that for but me I, is why it's not as high on my list. Another thing I find interesting about it is that, uh, in my opinion, a lot of what he did in Memento, he translated into Inception yes. in a more palatable way for people to connect with. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a theme that, comes through some of his movies and I think it all started back with that so I think without that we might not have seen some of the other things that that have transpired in his career where he's gone thought wise all right yeah. what do you got next all right so my next one on the list uh would have been the prestige um however <laughs> since that is already taken um I will have to go with the dark knight I will have to mm. I'll have to jump in with the Batman movies and I will have to go with Dark Knight. Um, 
Heath Ledger, the the scale of it, the scope of it. It's it's a much grander movie than Batman Begins. Um, it's more acclaimed, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's better. It's just more acclaimed. Um, but I love, love, love the interplay between Batman and the Joker. And in particular, the Joker character and the mysterious element of the Joker character. And I just love the clarity of the vision between good and evil and this, between chaos and order. Um, and that concept is just so clear and so apparent in those movies. In particular, I don't think I don't think there's been a better shot superhero movie. Yeah. Um, when it comes down to it, from the very opening scene where uh, the guy you don't know who it is at the time is holding the um, rubber Joker mask on the corner of the street, um, all the way through the movie, there's just these moments that they have they happen over and over again that you're just like, wow, that's just a beautiful shot. Yeah. It's just so well done. Um, yep. After the Dark Knight, I mean, the, I, and I agree, the Dark Knight, in my opinion, is the best of the Batman movies that he's done. Um, I, like you said, I think it's cleaner than Batman Begins, and I think that it's a little more coherent than The Dark Knight Rises. Um, not that I don't like all three, but I do think The Dark Knight is the top one. Would definitely be very high up on my list. Um, so probably at this point I would have taken the Dark Knight Interstellar in Inception in, in some form. Uh, we, there, there's just so many that it's, it's hard to figure out where to go next. Um, but I think that, let me see, I would probably go with, uh, Dunkirk next. Mm. And, um, to me, I just I just really enjoy how he presented that story, and and like we said we said about sci-fi movies, it has some of the same kind of feel the feel of the vastness of it, but also the smallness of it because it's about evacuating these guys off this beach, but it's also really about the one soldier who's trying to get off this beach, so. And, and it's, it was just a beautiful film to watch in large format. And I love watching it on my projector screen too, because it's as big as I can get it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really like Dunkirk a lot. And the interesting thing about Dunkirk for me is that I would say out of all his movies, it might be the one that I wasn't as crazy about the first time I saw it comparatively. Um, to some of the other ones, but having watched it several times more, I just have a much greater appreciation for it, especially the scenes that were filmed with special cameras when it came to the dog fights and all these other things that he did in the movie. It's, it's very, um, compared to the other big movies that he's done, it's probably the most practical, if you want to mm -hmm. say that. Like, it's, it's rooted in reality because it's a true story. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a different feel than Inception or Interstellar um, and Tenet, which is coming out, I think is going to have the same kind of big kind of sci-fi feel, at least based on the trailers that we've seen. Uh, so it, it really is unique, I think, in the movies that he's made, especially when it comes to the ones he's made with a large amount of money. 
Yeah, I think the interesting thing about Dunkirk, and I would have had it a little lower on my list, but it's still fantastic. Um, the interesting thing about Dunkirk is how he weaves a storyline that takes place over a day or a, a week, a story that takes place over a day and a story that takes place over an hour and intersplices them throughout to create a cohesive narrative. I think that's, I've never seen that in a film and to be able to pull that off in a way that makes sense is so well done. Another thing I would say, um, about Dunkirk is that if you have not seen the movie, the darkest hour with Gary Oldman, mm. I, I don't think that's like an, it's, it's a good movie. I don't think it's like an incredible movie, but if you watch the darkest hour and Dunkirk, um, like soon after one another, it gives a whole different, for me, it gives a whole different perspective of what happened at Dunkirk yeah. because you're seeing the behind the scenes part of it a whole lot more. And, just the tension and the reality of them needing to get this thing figured out like as soon as possible. And uh, it's, it's a great story. It's one of the best stories of, of that war. Um, if you can have a good story from a war. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. They're great companion films to watch together. So what do you, uh, what do you have next then? In this slot, I would have picked Batman Begins. And I would say that Batman Begins for me was in there because it showed you right from the start that this was going to be a different kind of superhero movie. It was not going to be that kind of campy, cartoony, um, semi-serious um, take on the superheroes. This was going to be a whole different animal that was going to be grittier. It was going to be based more in, in reality and real life. Um, and it was going to show you how you create Batman and it was going to give Batman a moral arc that was going to sustain him throughout the three movies. Um, I thought Liam Neeson was fantastic in it. Um, and I think there are just, there are some great moments where, um, Christian Bale's character as Bruce Wayne is having to make legitimate choices as to the direction he's going to take. And you see, you really do see it forming. Um, the interesting thing to me as compared to the dark Knight, is to watch how tightly this is shot. Like there's a lot mm. of close-ups. There's very few sprawling scenes. There's a lot of smaller scale scenes where tighter shots from the camera if you watch it you can tell it's so distinctively different when you watch that from the dark knight um, as to how much smaller or more intimate the the actual camera work is yeah i i uh i would say that i think we both have the same ranking when it comes to the nolan batman movies of the dark knight batman begins and then the dark knight rises so um I would take the Dark Knight Rises here because I have not seen Insomnia or Following, so mm. it's the last one on the list that I <laughs> that I've actually seen. Um, I'm very interested in seeing where Tenet ends up being on this list. I have very high hopes for it based on what we've seen in the trailers and what I what little I know of the story. Um, when you hear the actors say that the filming left them even a little confused. Uh, I think that lends itself to something special happening on the screen. So 
Um, I don't. I don't think there's a necessarily a whole lot to say about the Dark Knight Rises. I think it was a fitting conclusion to the three movie arc, and like we both agree, it's probably the least strong out of the three. I I would probably argue that it might be the least strong of his movies that I've seen. But the the thing is that even with that being the case, it's still a really good movie. Yeah. Like the um, his least strong movie is still very quality in my opinion um i know some people disagree but i still enjoy the movie yeah i think what i like about the dark knight rises in particular is that it basically shows um what happens when you attempt to base something on a lie because at the end of the dark night, they basically make up, they basically cover up the fact that Harvey Dent um, went crazy and killed people. <laughs> and they covered it up to try and protect the city. And basically what you see when you transport in the dark night rises further into the future is you see the cracks in, in the society that have built on that unstable foundation of a lie. So I think it does a, it does a fantastic job of, of showing what happens when you attempt to base your, base your, I don't know, legislation, film, you know, society, whatever it is you want to yeah. call it on a lie. And that's, that's displayed right from the very beginning because the opening scene of the movie is the Batman logo, like being literally cracked apart like ice and uh commissioner gordon with his speech i believed in harvey Dent, and that's where the movie starts and it goes from there and everything kind of just unwinds mm-hmm. yeah, so, you get to so see i know that you you have not seen um following either but you yeah. have seen insomnia yes so what are your thoughts on that since that's the last one we have here on the list yeah, so in, Insomnia is a good movie. Um, it's, there's part of me that almost doesn't want to count it as a Christopher Nolan movie because he didn't write it. He directed it, but he didn't write it. So um, it's, it's certainly worth seeing. I don't put it up there amongst the, the chronicles and anthems of, of the great Christopher Nolan, but it's, it's, certainly, it's certainly a worthy entry. And uh, Al Pacino is good. So... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What all right. do we got next? All right. So let's let's move on from this. So all right. What we have next? Let's let's go on to our watch list. And so uh, last week we picked two movies to watch over the last week: the Gentleman and the Rhythm Section. So the gen- Let's start with the Gentleman. The Gentleman it sounds like a really awful band. <laughs> yes yes it does. ladies and gentlemen the gentleman and the rhythm section uh, yes. i think I'll i think it's a, i think uh, it's a jazz ensemble yeah <laughs> um so with the gentleman uh what we see here is uh, uh a movie that features an ensemble cast um uh guy Ritchie film and he's known for really being able to get into the inner workings and machinations of this British gang culture. It's where uh, a lot of his uh, well-known movies, Lock, Stock, Two Smoking Barrels, etc., um, have been focused. And in this movie, it's it's all about the criminal underworld focused on 
the marijuana industry mainly. Um, what's fascinating about this movie is that it features this sprawling cast of just really good actors and actresses, really famous, well-known people, some that are up and coming. Um, but you've got Hugh Grant, you've got Charlie Hunnam, you've got Matthew McConaughey, Jeremy Strong, uh, the list goes on. And to me, it was just a very well done example of what an ensemble cast movie can be. And I don't think that's the easiest thing to pull off. So when it comes to what made it effective as an ensemble movie, what do you pinpoint as maybe one or two things that stood out to you as things that were effective in that style of shooting? I think if you're going to do an ensemble cast, each one of the characters has to stand out. Hmm. They have to stand out in some way, shape or form. They need their moment. They need a moment that kind of reveals who they are and lets you care about that character. And I think this is one of the things that Guy Ritchie did brilliantly in this movie and has done repeatedly throughout his career on some of these type of movies, Lock, Stock, Snatch, you know, they're, they're all very similar of a similar ilk. Um, but you can think of right from the, right from the get go, Hugh Grant's character is one of the most unique characters that he plays, but every single one of them has their own quirks, has their own personality and has moments where you just enjoy their character. And I think if you're going to pull off a big ensemble cast, A, you have to use them all properly, but B, you've got to give them all their moment. And I think he certainly did that. One thing that I thought was really interesting, and I think is directly tied into this, and I don't know if you noticed it, um, but one of the shots that he used several times throughout the movie was when two characters were in conversation, you would look at the one character in profile, and then it would switch to the other character in profile and back and forth in conversation, instead of having them both in the shot together, it was focused on one and focused on the other. And I think that that is done specifically for that reason. So that as the audience you're looking at, oh, this is this how this guy operates, this is how this guy operates. It helps separate them, uh, delineate their personalities from each other. And the interplay between the characters at different points in the movie is really, amazing and i think another thing that makes an ensemble movie really work is writing and to me this is one of the tightest written movies that i've seen in a long time it hits every, every point that it's trying to hit it hits whether it's being serious menacing comedic all the timing seems to be spot on i mean that's the writing and that's the actors um acting the writing but if you don't have it there on the page to begin with, it's not going to come across. I'm looking at you, Star Wars prequels. Um, <laughs> but uh, there, there are moments, uh, Charlie Hunnam and Hugh Grant's characters are a focal point of the movie, um, essentially functioning as narrators of the whole story. And their interplay is fantastic. And then you go, Colin Farrell is also in this movie. I didn't even mention him yet. He doesn't even show up until a little ways into the movie, but in a lot of, in a lot of senses, he seals the show in my opinion with his character, because right from his opening scene, he's just at, at it and he's hilarious, but also you can tell he's serious and trying to take care of these kids that he's working with. Um, you have any other thoughts? I just, on that? it's classic guy, Richie. And the fact that it's, it's fast wit and quips. 
just little, just little one hit fast, you know, comedic lines that just, that just gets you laughing. And it's just, it's a thoroughly enjoyable movie. It's an, and it's pure entertainment. The best part may be when they're taking a couple of characters are taking a dead body out of the one person's <laughs> house. The person who's not supposed to see it stumbles across it. Uh, is everything okay here? Uh, yeah, I think I need, forgot to wash my hands. <laughs> yeah. It's just so, so good. Yeah. Yeah. So the other movie that we watched um, this week was The Rhythm Section. Uh, Blake Lively and Jude Law being the two main actors in this film. Um, tells the story of a woman whose family has been taken away from her uh, in what was purported to be an airplane crash, but it turns out that there may have been something more nefarious going on under the surface of all of that. Um, one thing that stood out to both of us is that Blake Lively in this movie is, I would say, almost unrecognizable from some of the other work that she's done. Um, can you speak to that? What do you think of her performance in this movie and what it means for where she's headed as an actress? I think, I think she is fantastic, almost chameleon-esque in the way she is able to play her roles. At one point in the movie, she is basically a drugged out prostitute and she looks the part, embodies the part. I mean, she looks dirty, she looks grimy, she looks disgusting. And this is Blake Lively. And so you contrast that with, as we were talking about off, off air, um, her role in Age of Adeline, where she was this pristine beauty. And there's just an incredible contrast, but it looks so natural. Like she plays it so well. And, and so to watch her be able to get into the grittier side of, of acting as someone who could just make a living playing the nice, pretty roles, I think she really does pull off the kind of grimy vengeful character and it's not the first time she's played played a role i think you know some of her roles in the town the in particular her her minor role in the town she displayed some of that um but she has a lot of versatility more versatility than you would necessarily think so i think she's she's got a lot to she's got a lot to her acting chops to me the scene that really drove this idea and thought home to me was uh, when Jude Law is training her in the woods and he leaves her to have to swim across a lake in order to get home. And uh, she takes off her clothes to be able to swim across the lake, packs them in a bag and slings them over her shoulder. And as she's crawling into this freezing water, you can see just her, her body, her stomach is just like <clears throat> fighting and struggling against everything and there's nothing about the scene that's like glamorous there's nothing about the scene that's sexy it's it feels very raw and real and i think that in order to pull that off she had to actually go in like the thing is she's not just acting like she actually had to go into the cold water in real life she had to do this thing and i i would say that it reminded me in some ways um a light connection between some of the insane stuff that Leonardo DiCaprio did in The Revenant. That is just that being willing to push the limits of 
your body to uh, let the acting come across as completely real and honest. And that's how I felt about that. And it really sums up the performance to me that one moment. Yeah, it's definitely worth to watch. It's a, it's a solid drama, um, kind of good revenge flick. So if you're into that, go for it. So coming up this week, tops on the list. You and I are going on Monday, IMAX, Tenant. What are you expecting from Tenant? I have no idea what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I've seen the trailers a couple times, but I've intentionally not watched them over and over again because I, I just I want to come into it with as clean a slate as I can. There, there have been a few movies that I've been able to get away, big movies that I've been able to get away with having seen no trailers before. And those have been maybe some of my favorite movie going experiences, but I just couldn't do it with this one. Um, so I'm, I'm really, man, I'm beyond excited to see what exactly happens, where this, where this story is going. So we have all these little hints and, and breadcrumbs and clues about what's going to happen. But, um, you know, the, the funny thing about trailers, I've always found this funny, is uh, you see the trailers and you think you have everything figured out. When in reality, the trailer is probably a minute or less of actual footage from the movie, maybe a little bit more sometimes. A minute of a movie that's almost two hours long is nothing. <laughs> and yet we convince ourselves that we have everything figured out from watching this one minute. And so I know that there's bound to be some things in this movie that surprise us and uh, hopefully have us excited afterwards. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting that this is going to be unique. It's going to take incredible amounts of active movie watching. Um, I, I, expect, I expect Nolan, as he's done in so many of his films, to treat his audience with respect and that he expects that you will be able to understand it and get it. And I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, John David Washington, because um, I think he's he's got a lot of potential as an actor, and I think his uh, this movie could be fantastic for him. I know he's already been he played a great role in uh, Black Klansman that won an Oscar, um, but I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him him in an action movie. So um, it's just it's almost a holiday when you get a new Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, and in in that vein, I think uh, we both talked about beforehand and kind of agreed that for our, our watch list this week, not, not to, uh, you know, make this the Christopher Nolan podcast featuring other movies, but uh, when one of his movies comes out, it is almost like a holiday week. So I think we're each going to be watching a, a different Christopher Nolan movie whenever we have the opportunity to do that, whether it be every night or every other night during the weekend, just uh, refreshing and reminding ourselves of some of, the moments that we've really enjoyed over the time watching this film. Yes. And so I'm looking forward to a heavy dose of Christopher Nolan this week. So I will probably do, I will probably, I think I will go with, um, I saw it insomnia was on HBO max. So I think I'll watch yeah. insomnia again because it's been a long time. And then I think I'm going to go with The Prestige and maybe Interstellar. I did just watch The Prestige last week. 
with someone who had not seen it, which is always mm. the best way to watch that movie. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm going to try and check out Insomnia and Following because I haven't seen either of them. Um, and I'll probably watch Memento again because I haven't watched that in a long time. So I might be focused on some of the older stuff. But def- I think before um, watching Tenet, I have to watch Inception again. Cause it's yeah. been a while. And I just – I kind of – I get the feeling from – what we've seen and heard about the movie that there's going to be a lot of similar feel yeah. to this movie. So to hype myself up, I think I might have to watch that again. Awesome. Well, Rob, you got anything else for us tonight? I don't. I think we talked for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this, uh, this has been fun and we hope you have enjoyed it. Um, go ahead and check out uh, filmforfans.com. Uh, by the time this uh, air, podcast airs, there should be an article ranking the top Christopher Nolan movies. So go over to filmforfans.com and check that out. Um, yeah, we're going to subscribe. What did you say? We're going to start posting some articles and reviews and different things, uh, starting to utilize the website a little bit. So make sure you've got that filmforfans webpage, uh, dot, filmforfans.com webpage bookmarked for yourself. Yes, and make sure you subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Leave us a review. That would be great. We'd love having reviews and comments and things like that. If you like watching the video, check out our YouTube page. And maybe some point this week, we'll even give you uh, a emergency live uh immediate reaction from tenant we'll see this is not a drill <laughs> all right have a great I think, uh, yeah i think we have that tentatively scheduled yeah for monday night <laughs> <laughs> all right well that is the show for this week thank you for checking us out and have a great week at the movies see you everybody <laughs>